lips I proclaim that I am yours. I am yours. And all that I am, I praise you to your loving
Good morning. How many of you that is true? Man, I tell you what, that was the weakest. Um, if you are forever changed, how in the world is anyone ever going to know by that response? So, um, you know, this song, it says it's a happy day. And uh, uh, I think that we're going to just take a moment and give you an opportunity to declare why this is a happy day. Now, I'm going to I'm going to invite a few people randomly. Um, I'm going to start with Miss Linda behind me, and I would like her to tell me why it's a happy day for her to be able to declare um, that she is forever changed. You had to put me in a spot. <laughs> um, just happy that I'm a child of God. Amen. Amen. Mr. Paul, why is it a happy day? Because he's forgiven our sins, and my sins in particular. Amen. Amen. Miss Meredith. I knew this was coming. It's just, God's amazing. He's awesome and he's faithful. Amen. amen. Yes, amen. Christina, what about you? Um, because God's given me the gift of changing people's lives. Amen. Amen. Kyle, why has God uh, declared this a happy day for you? Amen. 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 Miss Kim, why is this a happy day for you? Yes, amen. Yes, amen. Miss Karen, why is this a happy day for you? Amen. Yes, amen. That's a, something to, to, to celebrate, isn't it? Amen. Mr. Robert, why is this a happy day? This is the day the Lord has made. Amen. Amen. Sometimes we forget that we can declare something so simple and make all the difference. Um, we sing these songs, and they're great songs. They have great you know, rhythm to them, great music, great singing up here leading us. And, and all of that can be wonderful and yet hollow if we actually don't sense that in our hearts that there's a reason why we sing. Um, I am so thankful that God not only saved me, but he transformed me, and he is in a process of transformation. I am, I am thankful that I am not all that I will become, that who I am today is not the finished product. Um, I continue today to become aware of things in my own life that I need to work on. I've been, I've been in this walk with him since I was 16, and I'm a little bit beyond that. Um, and so I know that there's still a change happening in me. Uh, and let me just be honest with you, none of you are at that arrival moment. <laughs> you know, I don't, I don't care where you're at in your journey, there are more things that God wants to do in and through you. The process of transformation will continue until the Lord returns to take you home. And at that moment, you're well done. You, you are completed. And uh, once we get to heaven, you know, we're going to spend an, an eternity worshiping him with fellow brothers and sisters in the Lord. Uh, but I want to encourage you, as we are in this, this season of joy, this season of celebration, that you take a moment every day and 
uh, decide why it's a happy day for you to be in the kingdom of God and why you have an opportunity to declare his goodness and his faithfulness every day. Uh, I'm going to read to you a different passage for communion this morning. Um, It's out of Isaiah 55. It says, Is anyone thirsty? Come and drink. If any of you have no money, even if you have no money, come take your choice of wine or milk. It's all free. Why spend your money on food that does not give you strength? Why pay for food that does no good? Listen to me. You will eat what is good. You will enjoy the finest food. Come to me with your ears wide open. Listen and you will find life. I will make an everlasting covenant with you. I will give you all the unfeeling love I promised to David. See how I used him to display my power among the peoples? I made him a leader among the nations. You also will command nations uh, you do not know, and peoples unknown to you will come running to obey, because I, the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, have made you glorious. Seek the Lord while you can find him. Call on him while he is near. Let let the wicked change their ways and banish the very thought of doing wrong. Let them turn to the Lord that he may have mercy on them. Yes, turn to our God, for he will forgive generously. My thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord, and my ways are far beyond anything you could imagine. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than yours, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. The rain and snow come down from heaven and stay on the ground to water the earth. They cause the grain to grow, producing seeds for the farmer and bread for the hungry. It is the same with my word. I send it out and it always produces fruit. It will accomplish all I want it to. And it will prosper everywhere I send it. You will live in joy and peace. The mountains and the hills will burst into song. The trees of the fields will clap their hands. Where once there were thorns, cypress trees will grow. Where nettles grew, myrtles will sprout up. These events will bring great honor to the Lord's name. They will be an everlasting sign of his power and love. I'm so thankful as I was reading that this morning, and as I began to think about communion, I started thinking about, Lord says, to do these things again until he comes to remember what he has done for us. And, and when you go and you look in the, uh, throughout the scriptures and you look at the promises that God's given us about how he is going to bring forth new life, he's going to bring joy, he's going to bring fruitfulness. These are promises of God in his word and they're for us as people. And so today as we prepare to partake of communion, I want to remind you that you have much to be thankful for. Thank him for his his cleansing power. Thank him for his forgiveness, which is uh, generous. You know, I'm thankful that we have a God who is generous with forgiveness. And uh, find a place to worship him during this next uh, song that we do for uh, worship and uh, spend some time with him. Uh, we have our, our, our new cups that are back with communion, so they're the double stack where you have a, the bottom half of it, your wafer, and top is your juice. Make sure you open them in the right order. Um, it will be much easier on your clothing when you're done, and, uh, but uh, these are easier to open as well. And so we want you just to be able to um, experience um, communion as God intends it to be, a time of celebration. So let's pray. Father, we thank you um, for your generous hand, uh, for your 
love, for your faithfulness. And I pray today as we experience you in communion, Father, that we would celebrate this precious act. Father, that we would celebrate the work that was done for us on our behalf. And that we would truly enjoy the fruitfulness and uh, the uh, generosity of your forgiveness and uh, the new life that comes through our relationship with you. I thank you for this and we ask for this in your name. Amen. Amen.
you have declared in your word um, is just as true and powerful today as it was when uh, it was uh, transcribed, Father. And uh, we thank you that your word continues to manifest itself in our presence, that heaven and earth will pass away, but your word will last forever. Father, we are thankful for uh, the uh, eternal nature of your word. Continue to speak to us today um, through our time in the word and uh, I pray that you would challenge us and encourage us uh, continue in the process of transformation we ask for this in your name amen thank you worship team you may be seated well, all of you can be seen be seated not just the worship team but hallelujah
This morning's topic is um, hope deferred. Got to grab my water bottle here. I've had this tickle in my throat here, and it keeps manifesting itself. So, to save you from listening to me cough all the time, I'm going to uh, have this here. Hope deferred. Sounds like a good title for 2020, right? Events canceled, holidays canceled, or at least attempted. Stay-at-home orders, 14-day quarantines. What does it produce for us? Unemployment rates, businesses closed, suicide rates are up 145% this year, according to reports. People are losing hope at living life again. The, the thing that is important for us to understand is that this is not the first time something like this has happened. Throughout, throughout time, there have been moments where the people of God, where the world that we were living in, were losing hope. And they thought that the world was going to end. They were not sure that um, things would ever get back to where it should be. And yet... God had a plan. Are you thankful that God had a plan? In Genesis, we read that Abraham and his wife Sarah longed for a child for decades. But Sarah was unable to conceive. God had promised that he would make Abraham into a great nation. Let's turn there. Just read a little bit about that out of Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. It'll be on the screen for us if you want to turn there in your computer or in your iPads or smartphones or uh, in an actual paper scripture. For those of you that still carry those, I'm thankful you're able. Genesis 12, 1 through 3 says, The Lord had said to Abram, Leave your native country, your relatives and your father's family, and go to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous. And you will be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. All the families on the earth will be blessed through you. Here we have God talking to to Abram. At this time he was called Abram, not Abraham. And letting him know that he had great plans for him. Abram uh, obeyed God and set out on this journey. Now we're going to jump down to chapter 17. We're going to read 1 through 9 and then jump down 15 through 22. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am God Almighty, walk before me and be blameless. What a command. Now I would... I would let us all know that that command is actually extended to all of us. God wants us to walk before him and be blameless. Now, we, I'm not telling you that we accomplish that daily, but that doesn't mean that there is not still a command from God to walk before him and be blameless. Verse 2, Then I will make a covenant between me and you, and may multiply you greatly. Then Abram fell on his face, and God said to him, Behold, my covenant is with you, and you shall be the father of a multitude of nations. 
No longer shall your name be called Abram, but your name shall be called Abraham, for I have made you the father of a multitude of nations. And I will make you exceedingly fruitful, and I will make you into nations, and kings shall come from you. And I will establish my covenant between me and you and your offspring after you throughout their generations for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and your offspring after you. And I will give to you and to your offspring after you the land of your sojournings, all the land of Canaan for an everlasting possession, and I will be their God. And God said to Abraham, for as you uh, you shall, as for you, you shall keep my covenant, you and your offspring after you, throughout their generations. And God said to Abraham, As for Sarai, your wife, you shall not call her name Sarai, but now Sarah shall be her name. I will bless her, and moreover, I will give you a son by her. I will bless her, and she will become nations. Kings of people shall come from her. Then Abraham fell on his face and laughed and said to himself, Shall a child be born to a man who is a hundred years old? Shall Sarah, who is ninety years old, bear a child? And Abraham said to God, Oh, that Ishmael might live before you. And God said, No, but Sarah, your wife, shall bear you a son, and you shall call his name uh, Isaac, and I will establish, sorry, and I will establish um, an everlasting, excuse me here, uh, shall bear you son, you shall call his name Isaac, and I will establish my covenant with him and as an everlasting covenant for his offspring after him. As for Ishmael, I have heard you. Behold, I have blessed him and will make him fruitful and multiply him greatly. He shall father twelve princes, and I will make him into a great nation. But I will establish my covenant with Isaac, whom Sarah will bear to you at this time next year. When he had finished talking with him, God went up from Abraham. God gave Abraham a promise that he would make him into a great nation at the age of 75. Now, we only have a few individuals in here that can speak to receiving a promise at 75. And then 17, or excuse me, 24 years later in Genesis 17, now, instead of being 75, Abraham is 99. And he is saying, you know, God is coming and saying, now I'm going to show up. And fulfill that word which I spoke to you back when you were 75. I, I titled this message Hope Deferred because how many of you would have given up after 24 years of waiting for a promise? <laughs> now, some of you, you don't have to raise your hand if uh, your spouse fits into this. Uh, how many of you ever received a promise from someone that... Um, they were going to do something big for you. You're at a trip. Um, I remember growing up, my dad made a promise to us that he was going to take us all to um, some amusement park somewhere when we were kids. It never happened. <laughs> but throughout our growing up years, we had this anticipation, this looking towards hope. And, and 
it never was fulfilled. And see, the, that, that promise didn't come from a God who keeps his promises. That, that promise came from a, an earthly dad who made that promise when he wasn't walking with God. And there was no mandate for him to have to keep it. But God has placed himself into a position that says, he says he will honor his word that has been spoken to us. And so in Genesis uh, 17, God shows up and says, I'm here to fulfill my promise. Sarah laughed when God said to this. She was in the tent when God was speaking. You know, one of the comment or one of the wordings of one of the phrases she used, how could a worn out woman like me enjoy such pleasure? And worn out sounds about right sometimes in life. Worn out. How many of you have ever felt worn out this year? <laughs> you know, one, one more delay. One, one more uh, stay-at-home order. One more this, one more that. It's like, Lord, I am just tired of all this stuff. I am worn out. And yet, God never changed his verbiage. God never changed his demeanor. God continued on as if he was, that we never said a word. See, God's promises are not dependent upon whether or not we can believe God for his promises. They're dependent upon God. I love that, um, you know, God, you know, that he told Abraham that he was going to name his son Isaac because Isaac means laughter. And Abraham and Sarah both laughed when God gave them the promise. And God wanted them to know that even though this might have sounded far-reaching, sounded impossible to God when this came to pass, he wanted them to be able to experience the laughter that comes when God continues to honor his promises. God will honor his promises. As a matter of fact, it was so important that God fulfill this word, this promise that he had given to uh, Abraham 24 years earlier because Isaac's son was Jacob. And Jacob had 12 sons, one of whom was Judah. And out of the tribe of Judah came King David. And because Jesus' mother, Mary, was a descendant of David, as was his earthly father, Joseph. The Savior became the fruit of God's promise to Abraham and Sarah. Do you see how important it is that God fulfill his promises, even when we can't see him working? See, God is layering the things that are going on in this world based upon his promises because he is bringing about the redemption of the world in such a way that we cannot fathom it but when it all comes together when it is all fulfilled there is going to be this um, this uh, interconnected series of things that God spoke thousands of years before we could understand it to fulfill what God was doing here and as God healed Sarah's body and fulfilled the desire of her heart, he planted a seed that would ultimately reconcile 
mankind to himself, establishing a covenant that would last forever. He planted a seed. And see, one of the things that we don't always put into understanding is that when God places a promise on us, he is planting a seed into our lives. Now, there are seeds in this world that produce things quickly. We see them in our yards all the time, don't we? They're weeds. A weed literally can, can germinate, can spread seeds around it, and that same day that the seed is dropped, it will produce another weed. How many of you have ever been away and you've weeded your whole area and you were gone for a week and you come back and it's like someone had come in and transplanted all your beautiful stuff with weeds? They need no time or attention. They don't even need water. See, weeds grow in, in the absence of, of really anything you know, valuable. They just take over. And literally, weeds strangle out the things that are good. And people think, well, if I just leave them alone, you know, the good stuff will grow up and, and take care of it. No, the weeds, if we don't take care of the weeds, they literally will take over and consume. There is a type of grass that is uh, uh, down in Tennessee that was brought in to control some of the areas. Um, and, uh, and I can't remember the name of it. It's a weed, but... It, kudzu I think and uh, this stuff they thought it would just be a great covering in these areas but they didn't realize that it literally was so evasive and it took over and it takes over and it covers everything good it covers trees it was so such an evasive plant they had no idea the far-reaching effect of that plant and how difficult it is to destroy once it's in See, God has made us the way we are that we continually weed out the things that are distracting us and killing the promises of God in our life. And if you have a thought process, a thought process that is negative, that's a weed. If you allow a thought process to remain in your life that distracts you or detracts from God's promise in your life, it will eventually begin to strangle out your ability to believe God for the promises. Abraham and Sarah experienced that as they were getting along in age because they thought God wasn't going to happen. They decided to take things into their own hands and, and Sarah offered up her handmaid to Abraham to father a child. And, and even as, you know, they're having this conversation with God, Abraham says, listen, let's do this with Ishmael. <laughs> you know, because we had, we took care of things. We had a son. You've already given us a son. Ishmael, look, here he is. <laughs> and God said, no, that's not, that was never the plan. You know, he said, I'll still bless Ishmael. I'll, I'll take care of him. But that was never the plan of God. And he said, but I'm going to give your wife, Sarah, because she is so connected with things that you cannot imagine. And she is so important to my long-term plan to save the world. Hope deferred. 24 years later, 
in that time period, they had given up hope. But God was not done. Scripture says that we should take every thought captive unto the obedience of Christ. Every thought. So I don't know what thoughts you have going on in your life right now that are trying to strangle out the promises of God in your life, but you need to begin to take them captive. You need to begin to capture them so that they no longer are able to control your life. As I read these, this passage this week and these passages... It really highlighted three things for me today that I'd like to share with you. The first one we've already started to talk about, and that's God's promises. Throughout the scripture, God provided us with a number of promises. How many, how many promises do you think are found in the Word of God? Anybody have an idea? You're not going to be graded on this. You can throw out a number. Give me a good number. How many promises? 700, that's a good number. How many think 700 is a good number? How many of you would be happy and excited with 700 promises? That's not enough. Anybody else want to throw out a number? You guys are so conservative. 701. 701. Thank you, Isaac. Thank you, Isaac. You just, one better. Not quite enough. Not quite enough. <laughs> I'm not even going to play with you guys anymore. In, my, in, in one article that I read, uh, Everett R. Storms, a Canadian school teacher, kept a record of the promises during his 27th reading of the Bible. And according to the book, All the Promises in the Bible, Herbert uh, Lockyer um, references this. It took a year and a half for Storms to compile his list, including promises by God to man, totaling 7,487. Concerning man to another, 991. Concerning God the Father to God the Son, two. Man to God, 290. And several other combinations, including nine made by Satan. Totaling in the scriptures a total of nine or eight thousand eight hundred and ten different promises in the scripture. Now, that's a lot of promises. You you would think that God is trying to say promises are important. How many of you have ever heard uh, the passage where people tell you not to promise anything, um, to make a, an oath to something that, unless you're ready to keep it? Because it's a promise. When you tell someone, I will such and such do this, it is a promise. An oath is a promise. When you make a commitment to something, God expects you to honor your commitments. When you say, God, I'm going to live for you. How many of you ever had one of those moments where you were in the midst of a very stressful trial and, and you said, God, if you get me out of this, I will serve you the rest of my life. I will do this. I will do that. I've been there before. 
And the thing is, God wants us to honor those, com- those promises. We have a promise-keeping God, but we have a God who has based so much of his word on promises that he wants us to live in such a way that we value every spoken promise. As uh, Storms was continuing in his research, um, he came upon a book um, that uh, really talked about some of the promises, how important promises are. And it was written by a gentleman by the name of Russell Carter. He published a song first in, in the in the first published hymn book in 1886 called, 1886 called Songs of Perfect Love. And see, Carter came to, gave his life to the Lord when he was 15. He later became an instructor at an academy as well as a coach, ordained minister, doctor, musician, and songwriter. Like many, Carter only, truly, uh, only learned to truly rest on God's promises when he faced, was faced with illness and death at the age of 30. He was diagnosed with a critical heart condition. Connie Ruth Christensen, a teacher of college academics, uh, the Bible, drama, and music, wrote of Carter. He knelt and made a promise that healing or no, his life was finally and forever consecrated to the service of the Lord. She added, the scripture took on new life for Carter. He truly began to lean on the promises that he found in the Bible. Maybe even more important was his commitment to believe whether God healed him or not. Some of the verses of this song include standing on the promises that cannot fail. When the howling storms of doubt and fear assail, by living the word of God I shall prevail, standing on the promises of God. Standing on the promises I now can see, perfect present cleansing in the blood for me. Standing in the liberty where Christ makes free, standing on the promises of God. Standing on the promises of Christ the Lord, bound to Him eternally by love's strong cord. Overcoming daily with the Spirit's sword, standing on the promises of God. Standing on the promises I cannot fail or fall, listening every moment to the Spirit's call. Resting in my Savior as my all in all, Standing on the promises of God. This is the type of faith that I crave. These are the the kind of promises that I want to put my trust in. Incidentally, God healed Carter of his heart condition and gave him another 49 years of healthy heart. For Carter, though, the issue was settled. Whether God healed him or not, he was going to stand on the promises of God. See, when God promises something, God will be faithful to His Word. God will be faithful to His Word. That is something that God wants us to learn as His followers. That he, that's what He wants us to learn in His children. If we make a promise, He wants us to keep that promise. And that's why He tells us to, to weigh every word that we speak. Every commitment that we make. That leads me to the second point of our message this morning, God's timing. One of the greatest challenges we face today is understanding God's timing. We want what we want 
when we want it. We are not interested in waiting on anything. How many of you have ever gone to a fast food restaurant and got frustrated because it was taking too long? (laughs) It's a fast food restaurant. And if we have to wait more than two or three minutes, we get frustrated. God wants us to learn to be patient, to learn learn to relax a little bit. Don't get so tied up, so caught up in things. It's okay, Miss Kate, it probably died. It's not on you. Our projector, I heard it shut off, shutting off a few seconds ago. It, it gave up the ghost. It may be a bulb, but it could be other things. So we're going to move on, and I'll just make sure I give you your fill-ins. <laughs> I know how important that is to you, Miss Elaine. We are not a patient people, but God wants us to learn some patience some timing. In the Greek, we have two basic understandings of time. Chronos, which is your first fill-in, which denotes something that is measurable or quantifiable. C-H-R-O-N-O-S. The second word is kairos, K-A-I, R-O-S, which means a season or an opportune time. See, we like measurable, quantifiable times. We like measurable, we like something that we can look at a clock and say, okay, I know that I eat breakfast right around 8 o'clock, 12 o'clock, and 5 o'clock. How many of you eat that way? You eat by a clock. Um, we like things to happen the way they're set up to happen. We like that church starts at 1030. We, we, we like that, not that, you know, we say we're going to start at 1030 and we get going about 1045, 11. Now, if you were in another country where chronos time is not really important, when we were in Mexico on a mission trip, They may have a 10.30 start time, but 10.30 just means some of them are leaving home to travel to church. Church started somewhere around 11-ish. But they also don't have an end time. They never put an end time on their service. For them, a service could go four or five hours, and they're completely content with that. They don't check out because, but they're not dictated by a timepiece. They, they, they just, they experience really um, a Kairos type of time, an opportune season to experience God. And see, and I believe what we're dealing with in life is we, we get caught up in the Kronos type when God's wanting us to experience the Kairos type. And see, for Abraham and Sarah, they were thinking Kronos. They're thinking, we're, we're already, I'm already 75 24 years, I'm 99. I have no desire to... I look at myself, 
And I'm thinking, I'm 53, I'll be 54 in, in about a month. And I'm thinking, I have no desire to start out with um, a little infant. Goodness. I mean, although we could work on the same sleep schedule, you know, go to bed and sleep, you know, five or six times a day, you know, there's a positive to that. Eat frequently, I could work with that. But their activity level, they're just always, you know, going. I'm looking forward to this season being grandpa that I get to love on him and then I get to hand him off and go to bed. And, And that's a great time. But I'm, I'm more fixated on the chronos piece. I'm thinking, I don't, I don't want to live that lifestyle now. I'm thankful that God set it up to where we can live like we do. And I'm sure Abraham had a similar thought process. God, I'm 99. <laughs> I already fixed the problem. You don't have to worry about it. I took care of this. You were a little slow. You probably had a few things going on. I understand. I took care of it. No need to show up today. And God says, no, I'm not done. You you might have created a problem that you really don't understand. But I have another promise that still needs to happen. God's timing is something that is very specific and is based upon his schedule, his agenda, his plan, not only for you, but for the world. See, God's promise to Abraham and Sarah wasn't just going to impact them. It literally was going to impact the entire world. It was was key to the bringing about of the redemption of the world through his son, Jesus Christ. When we talked last week about Isaiah, the prophecy in Isaiah... And the, from the point of the prophecy in Isaiah to the coming of Christ was 700 years. It wasn't a chronos moment, it was a kairos moment. It was at an opportune season, an opportune moment, God says, now is the time. Don't lose sight of the promises of God simply because you keep looking at your watch. God's not done. If God spoke it, He will complete it. We were talking a little bit about, you know, some of these things downstairs. And I started thinking about every time I am delayed from leaving or doing something in the time frame that I had originally planned. I start looking for what God is wanting to intersect in my life in that moment. See, I, I don't believe the enemy has any control over my life. Now, he may throw some roadblocks out there to distract me, but he has no authority over my life. He has no authority over my thought life. I have to, it's my choice to take those thoughts captive, but he doesn't have control there. And he does not have control over my life. And so if something is delaying my ability to accomplish a plan that I have, I begin to look, God, what Kairos moment what, what in this opportune moment are you wanting to do? And I have seen God literally deliver me from problems because he delayed me from leaving when I intended. Our family didn't take, I, if you know my, me, I, every morning, Sunday morning, I leave at our house about 7.30. It is, 
I, I get up at the same time. I, I have my shower. I do my vitamins. I, I have my routine. And then, you know, whoever is leaving with me, this morning was my wife, you know, she was ready and we walked out the door about 7, actually it was a little bit before 7.30. We were, we were early, um, which is great. I love, I'm all, early is always better. I give myself plenty, like even if I left at 7.30, I still get there plenty of time to accomplish what I need to. But that's the point. I don't, for me showing up someplace, like you would be concerned if I didn't walk into this church until 10.30. Elaine would have been calling, <laughs> or she'd have had somebody call. Check on Pastor. Where is he? If I'm not at breakfast, you know, she'll let me know. Like this morning, I was a few minutes late coming downstairs for breakfast at 9 o'clock, and my wife was down there, and she, you know, prayed and, you know, started us off because I wasn't there at 9. God operates on a different time frame than us. And we need to quit thinking that God has to do things according to our time. And we need to start thinking, God, what is your time for the situation? My final piece today is our faith. And really, this is an important area. Hebrews 11.1 1 says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Hebrews 11.1 1 is, is such a valuable passage. And really faith, this is your next fill in there. Faith is the ability to hold on to God's promises while trusting in God's timing. See, faith is the ability to hold on to God's promises while trusting in God's timing. Because it really stretches us waiting for God to accomplish what He said. And that's where faith is so important. Because faith is not based in what we see. It's based in what we know. And if you know God is true to His Word, you can hold on to it even if it doesn't happen in a year or 10 or 24 or 700 years. How many people, when Isaiah brought forth this promise, thought that God was going to bring his son at that moment? And 700 years later, that promise was fulfilled. See, God is, God is so much bigger than our moment in time. It's not saying you're inconsequential. It's not saying that you're not important. It's just God thinks about the entire world and focuses on your life individually so that you can fulfill your part in His world plan. See, every person that you touch, you have no idea how many people down the road that one life is going to make a difference for eternity. That's why it is so important for you to be about the Father's business, to do the things when you're out in communion, when you stop and pray for somebody, when the Lord directs you to. When at the right moment, someone's walking by and you feel like the Lord say, just pull down your mask and smile and let them know it's okay. You just do it. And then you, you go back to doing the things that you need to do. But we are so more, so intricately involved in this 
this timepiece of God. And it doesn't tell time the way we think. It tells time the way God plans. See, hope deferred is for a reason. Hope deferred is for a reason. God had a reason for delaying the fulfillment of his promise to Abraham and Sarah. And God had a reason for delaying the coming of Christ 700 years when the prophecy came to Isaiah. And God has a reason that he has delayed accomplishing everything that he spoke to you. Don't lose hope. This is the season of hope. Focus on the things that God wants to do and allow him to accomplish it in and through you. Let's pray. Father, I thank you that your word is true, that you never leave us nor forsake us, that your word never fails us, that it always goes out to accomplish that which it declares. I, even as I reflect on our passage out of Isaiah 55 today, Lord, your word will go out to accomplish exactly what it was intended to do. Father, help us to understand that those 7,000 plus promises that you made in the word for uh, us as your people are things that we can hold on to. Father, that we could, we could literally grab a new promise from your word every day of the year for the next 10 plus years and find something new to hold on to. You were so complete. You were so thoughtful in your process of promises. And even in the entirety of your word, some 8,000 different promises communicates to us how important our promises are to people that we make them to today. Or even those, those vague promises that we make in the midst of a desperate moment in life, trying to get you to move. Father, help us to understand how each word has weight and value, and that we should value each one that we speak. Father, I pray as we continue on in this season of celebrating the birth of our Savior that we would focus on the hope that comes through a relationship with you, through a transformation process that you take us in and through throughout our lives. Father, open up our eyes to see and our ears to hear what your Spirit says to us every day, what your Spirit is trying to point out to us every day of how we can be involved in the greater framework of fulfilling your plan for this world. And we thank you. Father, for those that are in the midst of struggles with whether it is sickness or um, COVID or whatever it may be, Father, we just continue to plead the blood of Christ over all those and Father, may we, uh, may we lean in the hope of the Scriptures more than anything that we look to today. And we just thank you. We ask your blessing on these things in your precious name. Amen. Praise God. I want to encourage you this week to be praying and seeking um, the Lord that he may direct you in his 
opportune moments to make a difference for his kingdom. This time we're going to wait upon you for morning tithes and offering. All righty, let us pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we are so thankful for your provision. We're thankful for your kairos moments, those opportune moments that truly reflect and reveal your hand that has been working in our lives uh, even before we ever even understood it to happen. Father, I pray today that your blessing would be upon this offering, that it would be multiplied to meet the needs of your kingdom, that it, was, it would enable us to reach uh, more people. We ask for this in your name. Amen. I want to also remind you, we had, I had sent out an email this week about taking up a special offering for our, uh, uh, our open Bible initiative, building a Bible college in India. And um, if you... Uh, Give towards that. Please do indicate that on your giving card. Um, we're going to take those, those gifts throughout the month of December, and so it's not just today, but if you're able to give towards that one project, um, that, that will be our harvest offering for this year is to go towards the building of this Bible college in India. And uh, if you would just do that over this next uh, several weeks, uh, coming up to the end year, just put a special gift in there for that. Uh, we would appreciate it. Um, God bless you all, love on one another, and we're so glad to have you with us here today.